Sean, welcome to the show, The Protector, Season 3. Two years doing this today or this week or something like that. But brother, I love what you're doing on YouTube. I really, I really enjoy the YouTube platform. I like what you're doing about helping people through your own experiences, whether that's your broken childhood, your time as an LEO, and specifically your time as a Green Beret, um, and as a former cook in the U.S. Army. Let's just jump right off of that, man. Welcome to the show, Sean. Thanks, man. I appreciate you having me. Yeah, it's it's been a fun ride, dude. I, I never thought um, any of it would lead to any of this. And it's just, it's just the past. Honestly, this is it, like the book's been like a two year process, but the YouTube and the podcast and this whole run at everything is I mean, it's been a six month endeavor. So I feel like I just got on a rocket ship and just start sailing. And uh, it's it's a bit overwhelming at times, but it's fun. I, uh, I was watching your Andy Stumpf uh, interview. He's one of my favorite interviewers. I haven't been on the show. I'd love to be on his show. Um, between him and Mike Ritland, I, I could watch our YouTube stuff all day long. I just found yours. I liked yours because a lot of them are seven, eight minutes. Hmm. The attention span of America is like <laughs> 30 15 seconds. minutes tops, <laughs> yeah. man. Yeah. And you were like straight off the bat. It's like, listen, this is this is what I know. This is my this is my wheelhouse. This is my knowledge base. And I like it, man. I like, you know, I like it. So I appreciate it. You know, and that's what I think. Um, I think that's what kind of resonates with guys on that channel is like, I don't, I don't have any, uh, you know, ego to hold up. I don't have any reputation to, you know, hold up or anything like that. So it's just like, listen, I've, I've done a lot of things. I've made a ton of mistakes and, um, if you guys could learn from those mistakes, well, let's do it, you know? And, the, and that's what I was telling Andy on that. Um, when I was talking to him, it's like, like I, I've learned something over the past like year of my life. And that's just to be a complete open book. And it's like, it's liberating and it's making, mm-hmm. it's giving me this power to just be like any, anything I've used to feel embarrassed about. It's just like, let's talk about it. That's even better now. And, and guys seem to uh, resonate with that. You know, I think for too long, we've kind of like pushed on this like cool guy, tough, you know, hard ass persona. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's made a lot of uh, young men feel inferior um, because they don't get the truth, you know, and they don't get the reality behind, you know, the operators and stuff. And so. No, they don't. Not at all. And, you know, I've had um, I had a, a ton of green berets on a ton of seals, ton of the, the tier one types on and all of them have a common trait. It's humble. I don't think I've had anybody on its own that's been kind of like an asshole, egotistical. Mm. And if I did, I probably never aired that episode. There's like two episodes <laughs> I never aired just because I was like, who the fuck is this person? I'm like, yeah, I don't want to hear about them. And, and you know, the one thing about social media and one thing about this, this generation of, you know, instant gratification, it's a little bit more than that now. Now it's like, okay, who's Sean? I'm going to look him up. Boom. There he is on YouTube. Okay, I've got seven minutes. Let's see what he's got going on. If I like what you're doing, I'm going to watch the other videos. I'm going to know. I'm going to become kind of semi-vested in your journey and where you've been because I want to learn. And I think a lot of people want to learn now because the the old norms of going on and 
seeing what's going on in the world and watching news in 2020 and 60 minutes and all that shit, it's out the door. And having these platforms like YouTube, man, it's 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 where it's at. It really is. Whether you have to move off of YouTube, stay on YouTube or whatever, there are always going to be a video-based platform. Right. Yeah. I mean, and the whole reason for me, like a lot of people ask me, like, oh, like, a lot of you SF guys just go straight to YouTube. And it's like, it's because for me, first of all, it helps me to give back. It's like healing process for me. But second of all, I loved YouTube. Like, yeah, there's a, a bunch of issues with, um, you know, the whole platform in general that they could work on uh, to to be a little bit more equal. But um, I, I love watching YouTube before I start ever thought about having my own channel. It's because I like to learn shit. I want to learn how to do everything. I want to learn how to you know, I remodeled the house from fucking YouTube. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it, the fact that you could jump on a computer now and basically become a, a, a subject matter expert in almost anything you want is incredible. So why would you not take advantage of that platform? And I think you're absolutely right. If, if YouTube um, ends up kicking guys off, there's there's so many options nowadays. We'll just we'll just find something else. I mean, um, I know. uh Mike Lovers, you know, he's really trying to spearhead that front as far as, mm -hmm. you know, finding his other platforms because I think he feels um, probably more attacked than most do. Yeah, and, you know, I had Mike and I had Kevin Owens on last week, and we were talking about that. We're like, look, you know, Fieldcraft is different than, like, we talked about, like, hey, you know what, it's great to put, you know, bullets and paper and, talk about counterterrorism, talk about taking out the bad guys and all this stuff. But the reality is I just want to be a family protector, man. And that's where Mike's audience is like a lot of people that are just like, Hey, you know what? Shit hits a fan. I want to protect my family. I want yeah. to be able to learn general skills like land navigation, street navigation, hunting, harvesting, you know, I want, that's the kind of stuff I want to learn. It's not always about being the operator type. And I like how, Fieldcraft is moving over onto these things. They have a really good channel on locals where they're putting stuff up on there. Um, I was going to tell you, I would really suggest going over, make your own Amazon Fire TV channel. Um, okay. Offline, I'll teach you how to do that. It's very simple. You're going to, your views are going to go through the roof. But there's a lot of different platforms with people like you to tell your story and your lessons learned. Because you know, just as well as I do, and after action review, a hot wash, that's kind of where it's at, man. That's where you get the real lessons learned. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, you, oh, go ahead, brother. Yeah, it's, it's really not about the cool guy stuff anymore. I mean, that's, that's it goes so far beyond that. And, you know, that's one thing I hit on in the book and, and something that no joke, I was I would be deathly afraid to talk about a year ago was all my mistakes in combat. And, uh -huh. you know, and things that I fucked up and it's like, but now it's, let's talk about that stuff because yeah. you know, this is, this is real and these things happen. And if you are getting into this profession for the wrong reasons, or you think that's all going to be you just <laughs> schwacking the bad dudes and not losing your, your, your bros and not, you know, almost getting killed yourself. You got another thing coming. Uh -huh. And, you know, I like how you bring up your, your law enforcement time too, is because um, I just had a really cool guest on where we're talking about liability and about, you know, a lot of people watch these movies. A lot of people read this stuff and they're like, oh, if I was in a situation, I'd shoot this, that, and that. But there's so much beyond when you pull that trigger. 
that you have to think about. Oh, yeah. And that's where you want to know these lessons learned before you get into that situation. So maybe you can avoid it or maybe you could de-escalate it another way. Well, that's, so, yeah, yeah. And, and people really do, they really gain a ton of confidence uh, and not deserving confidence from armchair quarterbacking, um, police officer mm -hmm. shootouts and, um, you know, combat footage and things like that. Like I posted a combat footage on, on my channel just to break it down and talk about mistakes that we made and, you know, just what happened. Um, you know, and I get a ton of people telling me, why do you do this? Why do you do that? I can't believe you guys did this. And it's like, the scary thing is, it's not that you're talking trash. Like, I don't mind that at all. You can talk all the trash you want. The scary thing is that you're you're developing a sense of confidence in your own skills through mm -hmm. watching other people work, you know? And, and the same thing with law enforcement. They're constantly dealing with these, everyone watching it and be like, whoa, you could have done X, Y, and Z. And it's like, dude, you have no idea what it's like to be in that situation. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and liability as a police officer was one of the scariest things I've ever had to deal with. You know, it's like, listen, if this guy pulls a gun on me and, you know, downrange, someone pulls a gun, you shoot him, you move on with your day, mm -hmm. you know, and it's it, it's like, OK, bye. It's over in law enforcement. What if that gun was fake? What if that's a you know, what if that's something that looks like a gun and he's doing it just to get shot? And now what if he's happens to be under age, underage, something like, or you hit somebody else, like the collateral damage is, yeah. um, it's insane. And then people are going to be coming after you to try and put you in jail, you know, and then you have Every to time. hope. It could be like the, the, you know, the best shoot in the world. Like if there's ever shoot that like the most justified use of force ever, and they're still going to come after you. Oh yeah. So the, uh, a perfect example of that, it was, <laughs> Uh, the gang unit in Denver Police Department. And the video comes out and it, at first they watch it. I think that um, I don't, it's been a while, but I'm pretty sure because we worked a lot with the gang unit on the, the team I was on. And I'm pretty sure they, so I watched the video. He gets in a chase with the gang member. The guy pulls out a gun, points it at him after the foot chase, he puts him down. And then the family comes out and says that he, he planted the gun even though you could see the gun, you could see the gun hit the floor. Mm -hmm. They're still saying that he planted the gun and they want justice. And so it's like that cop literally did it exactly by the book. It was a phenomenal job on his part to, to protect his own life and to save other people's lives from, you know, crossfire. Yeah. And, and we could just say, well, that you, you planted that gun and that's, and people are going to believe it and people are going to believe it. And your freedom's on the line. It's like, Wow. Uh, the okay. worst thing is to have to spend a hundred something dollars a year for liability insurance. Yeah. It's like, why do I, you know, to be in a job thankless as it is, I, you know, I'm a fed, so it's a lot different for me, but I can't imagine being a cop, like a regular bona fide policeman or, or anything else along those lines. Because nowadays, man, everything, everybody's got a phone, man. Yeah. Everybody's got a camera rolling 24 seven. Well, and whether they, it's a phone or rings or anything else, man. Yeah, yep. And then they try to instigate it, and that's that's where, like, mm -hmm. after the George Floyd, and I was like, I'm, I got to move on because this is this is out of control. Like, like your cops are not just getting hated on; now they're getting baited into bad situations, yeah. um, on purpose just so they could end their career and then make money off the department because the department just pays out left and right. Oh, you mm -hmm. want a lawsuit? Nah, here, here, we'll cut you a check. Yeah cut you a check. And then, so it's like, 
there's no reason not to sue police officers because you're the department's just going to pay you. So not a shit show. <laughs> it is, man. We can yeah. talk about that all day long. I like what you're doing, though, man. Um, you and I both had the similar situation where we go down to the recruiter and we're like, hey, you know what? I want to do this. And they're like, you know what? For me, it was like, you're going to be a carpenter or artillery. I was like, what? Carpenter? Like, fucking army even has carpenters or some shit yeah. like that? So I went artillery because it was the end of the fiscal year for me. And uh, they're like, oh, yeah, you can go artillery. You can do ranger and anything else you want to do. And you, you go down and are like, oh, yeah, we'll give you the best fucking contract in the world but you're going to be a cook yep and uh anybody wants to know the full story about that um really go check out andy's interview with it i loved it man Thanks. but we went into it, depth on that one that was that three hours went went quick. yeah it did man so uh long story short sean tell us a quick you know the the thirty thousand foot overview of your your time as a cook and then we'll jump into your time in sf man yeah, as a as a cook was horrible, and basically I just I, I I didn't sign up. I wanted to be a ranger, so I signed up option forty. But the they told me the only thing I can get was um, option forty uh, for ninety two golf, which is a food service specialist. And I asked the guy, you know, how long I have to do that. And he was like, ah, two three months, dude. And I was like, I can do anything for two three months, and that ended up being a huge mistake. So I ended up getting um, hurt in ranger selection so i didn't get to go to ranger battalion i went to 173rd and then from there it was just a struggle to get off that uh job you know like i was looking on everything mm -hmm. you know how they, they used to have the list right of the yeah the sought after list like you could you could switch right over to these one of them was like underwater welding and um i was like i fucking sign me up right now <laughs> and so I told, I went to, right to my NCO as, as a private and this was before, I don't really, I haven't told this story much, but cause I, I didn't get into how I got out of being a cook by like going to the Sergeant major yeah. directly and pissing everybody off, but it worked. So I became security detachment. But when I was a private, I was still hustling to try and get out of that job even before that opportunity. And the reason, the way I was going to do that was signing up for that, like in demand jobs. Um, and one, and the only one that looked halfway interesting was underwater welding is like dive welding or something i was like whatever dude let's let's do it and i'm like trying to fill out the papers for that like <laughs> three weeks into being at my duty station it's uh that probably would have been a good gig though man it, it would probably would have been cool um i think just i think it's just super dangerous is why yeah they had trouble filling it because i i don't know you could and I can't imagine like a lot of people probably can't pass all the requirements like the dive tests and everything else like that but uh I, so I how probably did, wouldn't either so how did the sf come into it you just go down to the recruiter what did you have to be an e4 and then just go ping up the recruiter and say i'm ready to go um so <clears throat> as far as SF, it's they make it pretty easy because like they want there to be no excuses. Like if you want it, you just go sign up. And as long as you could pass a BT test and you know, you meet like the uh, basic standards, like uh, mm -hmm. color vision and things like that, then you can go. So um, your command, even your command doesn't have like a big say in trying to like knock you out of it. Yeah. So that's really nice. Um, hang on, that light's coming out. Mask it. So, what was I saying? Oh, so anyway, 
so they make it really simple for you. So a lot of guys can just go and do it. Cause like I said, I, I think that they don't want there to be any excuses. Yeah. Um, but for me, after I got that personal security attachment job, I was in Afghanistan um, with the Sergeant major and that's what I was doing. I was personal security for him. And I was like, Hey, my ankle is finally healing up and I'm like getting good workouts in. And I told my Sergeant major, I was like, Hey, I'm ready to go back to um, a selection. And he's like, all right, well, I support you, man. He's like, what do you want to do? And at the time we were, um, we we're on fob shank and we we're seeing a lot of like SF guys come in and they were getting like, they were getting in it. And, yeah. um, and so I remember this one dude and I'll never forget him. Like, I'm just this like, you know, clean shaven, like baby face, punk ass kid. And I'm watching this dude and he's pulling his own guys and he's got the, his memorial bracelets on. And he's got like, I shit you not, he's got like four of these things stacked up on his arm for all the homies that he's lost. And I was like, and he was just dirty and bearded. And you could like, he had that thousand yard stare. Mm-hmm. And he's pulling his uh, dudes that just got in a gunfight off the bird. And one of them had a through and through through both the back of his legs. And then the other one um, ended up dying. And I just remember being in that situation and I'm just like, first of all, looking at like his fortitude and then I'm looking at this green beret that just got killed. And then I'm looking at his buddy who's like staring at him, like completely out of it on uh, pain medication. And I'm just like trying to picture what the fuck that they just went through, you know? And it's like, you know, that 10 minutes ago was the gnarliest situation ever, you know? Um, and then the green beret passed away and I was like, I was like, fuck man, like, I'm going to do that. Like, I like, what if I could be the guy that replaces him? You know, mm-hmm. I, like, that would be, that would be a cool situation. So that's, so, that's what I decided to do instead. So what was Selection like then? I mean, you, you talk about it a lot in your YouTube videos. I haven't, I always ask everybody about seal selection and, and, uh, going through buds and everything. What was selection like for you? Uh, selection was, I, I liked it a lot. So I actually had learned a lot of lessons. Sorry, my light went off. Um, I learned a lot of lessons from uh, Ranger selection as far as like how not to do shit, right? So yeah. like don't do 100% balls to the walls all the time um, because you'll end up getting hurt. And I, I became very just like conscious of injury prevention. Um, so selection for me, thanks to the lessons from Ranger selection was a lot smoother. Um, and then I just remember having a good time. I remember team week. I remember getting to team week and just being like ecstatic that I had made it to that point. I was like, thank God, you know, like, like this is, I know that team week is a really hard place to get to. Um, and I know that it's where you can stop worrying about times and tests and it's, it's really designed to see like what you have as a human being and, you know, intestinal fortitude and things like that. So I just remember getting to team week and being ecstatic that like, I known that I hit a milestone. Um, and then down pilot kicked my ass and that, that thing was absolutely miserable. But, uh, and then after that, getting selected was probably one of the best experiences of my life. Um, you know, it, like him telling me that I got selected was like, just put me on an astronomical high. I was so happy. Uh, and then I ended up 
getting bored for the next couple of days. We had to be there. I ate like five MREs a day. <laughs> oh then, my God. Yeah. And I got like, I couldn't eat like normal food for like two weeks. Like if I ate a vegetable, it like would keel over in, in pain because my, my stomach is like killing me thinking about it. Man. <laughs> five MREs. Holy shit. Yeah. You're probably still having taken a shit with all that. MREs yeah. Right now. I probably haven't shit right since, but yeah, exactly, man. Like, selection. <laughs> I, I, looking back on selection for me, it was a, it was an amazing, um, humbling, awesome experience, and I got a lot out of it. I loved it. I mean, I obviously didn't enjoy it while I was there. You know, it's not like for guys listening on the FNG Academy, like, man, he buck enjoyed. It. Like, no, it sucks. <laughs> it sucked ass. But um, as a man. I needed that kind of suck. I needed that uh, validation from guys I respected, uh, people I looked up to. It meant a lot to me because of the deficiencies I had in my in my past. I like how you brought up the FNG Academy too, because that's that's kind of I like it because learning about selection and everything back in the day, man. I'm old. I'm almost fifty now. Uh, two years, then I can retire. But nice. the thing is, um, we didn't. Everything back then was just like there was like a handful of books. I talked about it. There was no YouTubes back then. They didn't have those interwebs. So, um, yeah, man, with this FNG Academy, you're kind of like saying, I like these six-minute clips where you do talk about selection. What's on our horizon for you? Do you see, like, more of the videos? Or, are you gonna, or do you do in-person training? I mean, with COVID crap and all that stuff. So right now, um, we have a couple things going. First, I want – I really want the, the channel – to grow to the point where we're just doing craziness. Like, like I want to, I want to be throwing money at this channel and doing mm -hmm. fun things and giving back to the viewers in a way that hasn't been done yet. You know, I see a lot of the guys um, outside of our community, like just the YouTubers. Right. And yeah. they, they, they do these like crazy giveaways. They basically have a lot of fun and they create like this lifestyle experience. And I would like this channel to grow to something like that to where we're taking our community, but we're, we're having fun with it and we're really showing people the fun side, you know, doing contests, getting guys involved, giving away some crazy stuff. So personally, I'm going to be focused on trying to get the channel to that level, but um, you know, the book, and then uh, I am linking up with uh, operators association with Zach Hughes in March. So I'm going to go out and get to meet some of the guys which surprises me that they're like excited about that. I, I don't, I don't get that. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why people want signed copies of books or are excited to see me. Like it's, it's still kind of a weird experience, but they're looking forward to that. So I want to see where that goes and see, you know, how we could do some more in-person stuff. Cause I'd really like to meet some of these guys because a lot of them invest, you know, a lot of time and effort into all this stuff. And, you know, it'd be cool to, to put a face to that. Yeah, you know, there's such a virtual world out there, man, but nothing like being face-to-face. -face. That's my goal with the channel is I want to be able to do these interviews in person. Yeah. I want to be able to, like, you know, I, that's why, I like, Andy, uh, Mike Ritland does a lot of in-person stuff. The Team Never Quit guys do. Um, really good stuff, man. I look forward to, like, checking out your book as well. And, man, you got you got a hell of a future ahead of you. I like it. And I like that you – you're kind of like – I liked the Andy interview because then – you talk about, hey, you know what? This is why I transitioned. This is why I didn't decide to do a career in SF. This is why 
decided not to stay in it, the, the PD. Having that information out there readily available, people, then they're not second guessing, hey, who is this, this Sean Rogers guy? What's his deal? Mm -hmm. You're straightforward with it, man. And that is what people need nowadays, transparency. None of this fake bravado bullshit, none of this operator, you know, hey, I'm the, I'm holier than thou. Your information is out there to be shared, man. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. And that's, that's the goal. And, you know, and I told Andy, is like, um, you know, Mike Ridland hit me up two weeks ago. Cause I told him, I was like, Hey, I'm going to Texas. Cause I'm going to see, um, uh, Tim Kennedy on the 15th. We're going to do like a little interview, um, vlog thing. Uh, it should be pretty cool. My buddy's going to come out and film it and stuff for the channel. And then, um, so I told Mike, I was like, hey, I'm going to be in Texas. And he was like, what dates? And so I told him the dates and he didn't get back to me. So I'm like, damn, it must not have lined up because because, yeah, Mike is is one I'd really like to to talk to as well. And I do like the in-person stuff. Um, but yeah, it's, as far as that goes, it's Mike. I know you're watching, brother. You got to have shown on, man. Yeah, come Great on. Great story. You got a book. <laughs> I tell you, Mike does when I when I showed up to his place, man, he does his research. And he had like my book all bookmarked out. He knew exactly. And he was like one of those Oprah moments where he almost had me crying. I was like, Danny, Mike. <laughs> Danny Ritland. That's awesome. I like, I, that's cool when people put that much into it, you know, cause that's not easy to do. You know, we're busy uh -huh. people and we're, we're chasing our tails trying to uh, make something work, you know, and, and I've talked to people about this before, but this, this whole thing, right. It's like um, people see it when it's working and they're like, Oh, well, yeah, obviously you're doing this route. And it's like, wait a minute. Like there's no book on how to no. become like a, a YouTuber slash motivator slash author. It's, all this stuff is like completely shot in the dark, you know, yeah. like, and you, you could do it all and no one could watch the YouTube. No one could read the book and no one could want to talk to you on their podcast. And before you know it, it was, you know, it's just nothing, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's kind of like the, uh, this, undescribable thing that just has to happen. And then a lot of hustling, brother, a lot of hustling. And, you know, you got to find that, that big Mo, that motivator, uh, what is it? Man, I was just reading a book. And he said, when big Mo happens, momentum, when, <laughs> when momentum <Yeah>. happens, <laughs> but yeah, definitely no bravado, you know, and, and I made a lot of mistakes and um, even with getting, you know, somebody had mentioned, Oh, didn't you get kicked off? It was one of the guys from my company. I know who it was. Uh, he's just being a dick, but he was like, didn't you get kicked off your team on my Instagram channel? I'm Instagram. And I was like, you're right. And I didn't talk about that yet. So let's go next podcast. I will bring that up because everything that happened to me, everyone needs to know about because mm -hmm. it could happen to them. And then we could talk about why it happened, what I learned from it, what I would do differently. Yeah. And then that's where, you know, the lessons are going to be learned and not from me being like, I killed a bunch of people and, uh, it, you know, <laughs> I stepped I over bodies. Man. Yeah. I was, I was eating snakes, stepping over bodies and no shit. There I was a fucking bear. So a bear, man. That's why, you know what? Let's talk about bears. And this is why everybody needs a 44 <laughs> Magnum. <laughs> He's like speaking of bears. I uh, I, I noticed AR behind you. Um, I love guns, man, and they're like a, a work of art. And I, I try to explain to people, I'm like, it's not like I want to go and 
you know, do badass, cool operator shit with my guns. I just like guns. Yeah. I like old lever actions. I like single shots. I like anything. The reason I got a 44 is because I like big booms. You know, I grew up with Dirty Harry and all that. I want a big 44, man. Yeah, I, I think it's one. sick. I love it, man. I love 44s. I love 1911s. I love SIGs. Um, you name it, man. Yeah, those 2011s. I just got to the range uh, with my buddy, and he, he runs this company, Alpine Arms, and he's got that uh, those 2011s with the red dots and all that Gucci shit. And I was like, dude, this thing is amazing. Like, uh-huh. You pull the trigger and that slide goes, it, the, nothing moves. It's just solid as a rock. I tell you what, man. Ugh. Got my uh, my good old-fashioned Sig Scorpion right here. Oh yeah, I've never nice. shot anything like it. It's uh, amazing. And you know, the military, thank God they're going to the SIGs because I love the SIG P320, man. Not the transition off of your book and everything else, but once I oh. started thinking about my SIGs and everything. Yeah, yeah that man. thing that thing looks cool. I like the I like that gun. Um I mean anything to get guys. I mean SF wasn't using the berettas. But mm-hmm. the regular army still had a ton of Berettas, oh. and that thing is hot trash. <laughs> like, if you like a Beretta, like you got some nostalgia going on or something, like that, that thing Let is me, hot garbage. My, my first gun as an LEO, as a Border Patrol agent, and I had to carry a Beretta 96D, I think it was a D, big, big 40 caliber rust bucket with like a, a 50 pound trigger pull. And I used to, you know, hump a lot. And at the end of the day, that thing would be like rusted out from all my sweat. And I'm like, I had to clean it like nightly. But what a piece of shit, man. Yeah, those things man. are garbage. And I, I hated the the two-stage trigger, that like first uh, yeah. heavy, heavy pull. And then the next one's not lining up. So then you're just like, and uh, the, was it the, was it locking blocks? Just break on them constantly? Yeah, yeah. that's what it was. Oh, my gosh. You those guys things- can keep that thing, man. Yeah, that thing is hot garbage. So, Lethal any weapon, uh, die hard, cool, cool for the movies, but in reality, yeah. not so hot. You know, it's a funny story. Lethal weapon. Um, I remember when I was a kid, my aunt, she asked me, she's like, "What do you want to do when you grow up?" And I was like, uh, "I'm going to be a cop. I'm going to live in a trailer on a beach with a dog, and I'm going to eat his dog treats." And she was like, she had never seen the movie, so <laughs> she was, she was like. That's fucking sad. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I was like, I'm gonna be alone with my dog in a in a single wide trailer on the beach, and she's oh, like, that's yeah. that's depressing future. And I was like, that's the most badass thing I've ever seen. Exactly. That guy does whatever he wants to do every day. I miss that movie, man. I gotta yeah, do a good a, one. I gotta do a, a lethal weapon marathon. Maybe just the first two. <laughs> Skip the last three or whatever they have. Yeah. He, he just did a movie on Netflix and um, he was just like a ex gangbanger that got out and, you know, he had to help his kid. And I'm like, dude, he's a, he's a great fucking actor. Yeah, he is. Bad. No, not bad. Santa. What's the last one he just had? The fat man. That was pretty good too. He plays Santa I don't know, Claus. I saw it. Yeah. The you got to look man. up the fat man. Cause it's yeah. like, and you know, that's the thing about Mel Gibson, man. Like I know which one you're talking about where he has help his kid where he's actually, yeah. Know. Yep. He's like the past few years, he's been playing some really obscure, fucking, like just badass movies, man. Yeah. Yeah. That check out this Batman. Batman. He actually right, plays fucking Santa Claus and he's got a 1911 or some shit. I don't even know, man. Heck yeah. Yeah. Cause so, you watch some of those and you're just like, 
what the fuck happened to these guys? Like you, you were yeah. good acting at, at you're a good actor at one point. Like, how did you get so shitty? And then, but you watch Mel Gibson, you're like, man, for he still got it, dude. I he's like, Mel he's a solid ass dude. Well, Sean, I appreciate you coming on the show, man. We'll have to have you back on. We'll do like a lessons learned round table or some other bullshit. Um, something fun. Yeah. And uh, but I like your backstory. That's why I wanted to have you on today, man. And I really appreciate all you're doing for the community. Well, thank you, man. I appreciate you having me on. And um, honestly, after after Andy's and the reason I bring Andy's up so much is is because it was so long, right? It was the first time I did three hours. So like I got into so much detail that I'd never gotten into before. And <laughs> yeah, I do want to get into your childhood. I want to have you back on because we have a few little similarities with uh, broken childhoods and stuff like that. And I'd like to explore that. And, but Andy's Andy's interview with you was great, man. And that's why I'm not going to beat around the bush with with your background, because everybody got there and watch Andy's interview with Sean. He goes into why they call him Sean Buck Rogers pretty much goes into your whole life story. The whole thing, um, man. But I do want to read the book. I do want to get the signed copy of the book. I got to add you to my uh, my protector's bookshelf over there. Oh, that's so sick! The come on, man. I love that. And then uh, got the lever actions on the wall over there. Dude, that's a great setup. <laughs> Getting there, brother. I'm in the basement. Nobody puts baby in a basement, but they did with me. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate you coming out, man. Yeah, sounds good, brother. We'll talk to you soon. Awesome.